Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining in today, August 4th, 2021. We have returning Jeannie Sisko-Meth, and I'm really happy that she's come back to inform our listeners on her latest projects. And we're going to be talking about the pandemic and bullying. It's going to be our, our focus today. Welcome, Jeannie. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I so appreciate it. For those who haven't heard from you before, how did you get on the path that you're on today? Well, that's a great question. (laughs) I was a high school teacher for 17 years, and I discovered firsthand that bullying can really destroy a family and, you know, a life. And so I started helping my students at the high school level, and as, as, you know, I'd been there for, for about 16 years at this particular school, and I started getting hints, so to speak. I call them God pokes, you know, that intuition that says you should do this or you should do that. I started feeling the pokes to be, you know, to take my my program to a larger audience. And then uh, we had a student at the school commit suicide. And one of the teachers looked at me and said, maybe if you had written your book, you could have helped him. And Aww. I was like, Wow. That was well. It was it was the perfect thing that I needed to move through my fear because the only thing keeping me from stepping out of that classroom was fear, you know, fear sure. of in- inadequacy, fear that you know I'm going to mess up, fear that because when I was growing up in elementary school, they told me that I was too stupid, I would never make it through school. I had so many learning disabilities. And now the Lord's asking me to teach people from stage. Are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? So I had a speech impediment, all kinds of of problems. And so, you know, that little kid inside of me wanted to just hide in the corner and cringe. And if I'm totally honest, I still do sometimes, (laughs) you know. So Sure. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well... We all end up with our challenges growing up, no no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so with this uh, best-selling book, what would you say has been your greatest testimonial from it? Oh, my goodness. Um, The one that, well, the one that was the most unique was the letter that I got from a mother in Japan. 
um, oh. telling me how, you know, I'm like, I've never been to Japan, but I want to go someday, you know. And so uh-huh. that that first knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that my book is going places that I have never been. I think that's sure. a, a huge testimony. And that's part of the intention when I was writing it, you know, Lord, this is, is hard, but if it'll help at least one person, then it's worth it. And, you know, so to know that a book can go places that I can't, or, you know, for, for I mean, I can go to Japan, but I'm, I don't know that I'll ever meet her and her family. Who knows? But my book helped and inspired and saved a life. And that absolutely um, keeps me going many times when I want to quit. And then the other one was a stu- well, a few students, but one student we had um, at the high school that I taught at, just a big strapping. He was probably six foot five. Now I'm six foot. But he was, you know, he's a senior in high school, and and he was taller than me, and he was he was just probably about 250 pounds, just a big kid. And he comes to me, and he's like, Jeannie, I'm scared to go home because I know I'll get back into gangs. And I started, I had been using this program, you know, for a few years at that time, but that was the first time I did everything within, you know, in my tool belt, so to speak, and focused. 100% on helping him get strong. So when he went home, he would resist drugs and gangs and all of that. And um, probably about two years after I retired from teaching and, and went to the stage, I was doing schools all around the, the state, and he came up to me and he said, Jeannie, look, at, look, this is my wife. This is our little baby. I'm not in gangs. I think he was working for um, UPS. And um, he's like, I'm, I'm holding down a job. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And um, that was incredible. And then another testimonial is my own children. You know, now I'm not saying my kids are perfect, and I'm not saying, you know, that that I was the only one that made them that way. That's That's not it at all. But what I'm saying is these tools work because I've seen them time and time and time again. And I feel so grateful to have been able to bring them to the world. Well, we're very curious about what these tools are. Wonderful. So the first one is starting to accept yourself, you know, with all your, your warts and your blisters and all of that and your strengths. So often we focus on just the bad spots. You know, and I do an exercise when we're when we're live, and we pass out oranges. I have the students come up, or the adults. We do these with adults as well now. We do it in offices as well, in workplaces. And the audience will come up, and they'll pick oranges out of baskets that we have sitting around. And then I'll I'll tell them, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot something. Will you all put your oranges back? And you know, they kind of grumble, whatever, like this idiot person, whatever. And they put the oranges back, and then I say, okay, I'm just kidding again. I said, if you can come pick your orange out of the basket, I said, I want five volunteers, and I'll offer varying prizes, money, anywhere to candy bars, you know, whatever. I'll say, if you can pick your orange out of the basket, and you can tell all of us what it is, you know, and convince us that it's your orange, then I'll give you, you know, five bucks, ten bucks. I think I gave away a hundred bucks once, you know. And every single time, now I've never once had a student, I'll always ask them first, okay, why'd you pick your orange? How do you know that's your orange? 
you know, and they'll say, oh, this is my orange, and I picked it because it looked so good and juicy. The color is, you know, deep orange or, or it's, you know, soft, so I know that when I squish it, it's juicy. And they always define the orange that they picked it by all the good qualities. And then when I say, okay, now convince me that this is your orange, and they immediately go to the blemishes on the orange. Well, it's this black spot right here, or it's this discoloration right here, or, you know, the stem looks funny. And so I always thought it was, it's so amazing how people pick things because they're good, but then the spots show up and they, they are the things that distinguish us. And as I started diving deeper into that, I realized that our spots define us because it's the parts that we can choose to make us stronger and we can get better at it, we can accept it, or we can constantly look at it and let it hold us back. And so just like me in elementary school, I could have said, I can't spell, I can't speak, I'm legally blind, I had cancer, you know, all of these things, and that definitely could have held me back. And I could have lived up to the expectations of my teachers, which was, she'll never make it, she's too stupid. But I chose to teach them, no, I'm different, that's not me, you don't define me, I define me. And so while our spots may define us, they don't have to define us in the way in a negative way. Our spots can be our gold nuggets that help us bring beauty into the world. Uh-huh. That's a great example. So that's the, the first step. Then the second step is realizing that hurt people hurt people. And, you know, so when somebody is attacking me or bullying me, it's not because of me. Yes, they may be something saying something about me, or, uh, you know, a blemish about me, but it really at a core level has nothing to do with me and it has everything to do with them and their pain. And if I can remember that hurt people hurt people, then I don't take it personally and I can, I can reach out to that person, maybe not in that moment, but later on and I can say, hey, what's going on? How could I help? Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, That's a really, and then... Um, really good one. Yeah, and so just as much as hurt people hurt people, I know that healed people heal people. And so if I can help people start healing, then I can change the world one person at a time. And that is my mission with my business, helping people heal one person at a time, a family at a time, a community, a workplace at a time so that we can start making those changes and those changes can ripple out through other people's lives. And that that's what really excites me. What did you so, and then what the, you, uh, on the on the second on the second one where you talk about hurt people, you know, hurt people? Yeah. Uh, there's a, a real emotional component to that. You know, specifically it's if it's somebody close to you, like a family member or whatever. Right. So right. so even with the belief of the fact that that they're hurting you because of their own pain. It still it still hurts. And yeah. how do you how do you psychologically uh not react to that? Oh, beautiful question. 
so I think of my emotions as kind of a cup. You know, let's talk about a red solo cup, okay? And so envision that I'm holding in front of me a red solo cup. And every time something negative happens, that fills my cup. You know, if I don't deal with it, it fills my cup. So I'm late to work or I get a run in my pantyhose or I step in a mud puddle or somebody, you know, yells at me or uh-huh. whatever. All of those negative emotions fill my red solo cup. And then that, that the last person, right, the, the family member that comes and, and attacks me or is sad or upset and my cup overflows on them and I lash out at them and I say something I, sh- I shouldn't have done. What uh-huh. I need to do is learn how to manage the emotion in that cup. And so I love doing a write and burn. So when I have negative emotions about something, I just grab a piece of paper and I'll write, I feel frustrated, angry, disappointment, embarrassed, upset, you know, whatever. And I'll write that emotion out. And sometimes it's, I just scribble it because I can't put it into words. And so I just scribble or I'll just write on that paper. And once I can feel all that emotion come out onto the paper, and, and I just kind of when I finally get to the end of it, like, oh, oh, that feels better. Then I'll take that paper and I go out on my back porch and I burn it. And I just, I get rid of it. I'm just, I'm done. And I watch it go up in smoke. And I take four deep breaths and I say, forgive me, Lord. Take this, cleanse it and make it whole, you know, and I resend it to the wherever it came from with love and light. And then my cup is emptied on paper instead of on people. So I don't continue sharing those dragons, so to speak, or those, you know, cold pricklies or that pain. I get rid of the pain on paper, not people. So when you have an immediate reaction to to someone who is you know saying something negative mm-hmm. uh, and it tr- and it triggers um, you know an emotional response uh, after that occurrence that's when you go and you do the paper thing yeah and I'll do it periodically throughout the week um, I used to do it every single day just kind of as a maintenance you know, to kind of clear out all of that past yuck. Now I do it every other day or definitely once or twice a week. And that keeps that that cup empty so that it doesn't fill up and I don't explode at inappropriate times. There's space, you know. So when somebody comes to me and attacks me, I'm not triggered. I'm there. I can be calm. I can be rational. And I can I can talk with them. But if I don't do that regular maintenance, if I don't take care of it, I find myself stuffing and hiding those emotions until the cup is so full that it just explodes, usually at the worst possible time. And so I highly <laughs> recommend doing it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Explode at the worst possible times. Yeah. Got that one. Okay, so um, getting back to we were talking about heal people, heal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you want to say about that? So, so that starts, you know, when I pull out that paper and I write it on the page and then I burn it, that starts the healing. It allows it to get out. And then if I go back, usually bullying comes from a, a buildup of past experiences, of past hurts. 
And so it can be a pain from five years ago that triggers me. And so as soon as I'm triggered, I will sit down and I'll, I'll journal about it. I'll write about it. And, you know, sometimes it's a write and burn and sometimes it's a write and learn. And what I mean by a write and learn is I'll go back and I'll look at that experience and, and because, you know, I'm, I'm an adult now and I can look at that experience and say, okay, was that really what happened? Did my mom really want to make me feel bad because she forgot my birthday? Was it really about me or was it about something in her life? that was going on at that time. And as an adult, I can look at that and go, my mom loves me. I know my mom loves me. She cares very much for me. Yeah, she forgot my birthday. What could have been happening at that time? And there's a laundry list of things that could have been going on. And so when I look at it with those eyes, I realize that it's not that my mom doesn't love me. I realize that she's human and has a lot of stuff going on. And so then I can forgive my mom, and then I can go ask my mom and say, hey, mom, remember when I was 15 and you forgot my birthday, and when I was 22 and you forgot my birthday? You know, or those times I can go to her and I can say, what was going on in your life? And I can seek to understand what was going on in her life. Now it's no longer about me. And once that pain is, is realized, when the pain no longer serves me, then I'm healed. Because so often we'll hold on to our pain as a reason for being angry or as a reason for holding a grudge or as a reason for lashing out at people. And if I can change that experience and look at it from another person's point of view, I can have understanding. And then I get a gold nugget instead of a lump of coal. What steps did you take your high school kids through when they were bullied by another student? Beautiful. So we started with the same step that I just said. Start, okay. you know, get out all that stuff that you're, that you're, you know, I'm not good at. And so we would have our students. Now I had a pretty transient population, so we constantly had kids coming and going. You know, go, I worked at an alternative high. So we had okay. kids, you know, leaving for counseling and court appointments and all kinds of stuff. And so we would once a week get together and we would go around the room in each of my classes and they would say, hey, this is my name, this is what I'm really good at, and this is what I struggle with. Now that takes time to build that kind of rapport with your students sure. so that you have gang members that can be vulnerable in the classroom, right? And Ooh. so, but, but to be able to allow them to say, hey, you know, I'm really good at math, but I hate history. Oh, okay, well, I'm good at math, you know, or I, and I'm good at English, or I hate math, and, but I'm really good at history. And so you start matching those people up, and they start realizing, hey, I have strengths here, and I have weaknesses here, and that's okay, because I have strengths, I've identified my strengths and my weaknesses, and it's okay to have both because everybody has both. And so it made, us, it made us all more human, and it made us all realize that, hey, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay, yeah, I've made some bad decisions in the past, but starting today, I can make good ones. Because just because I've made a bad decision does not mean I can't start making good ones. 
And just because I've made good ones doesn't mean I won't ever make a bad one. You know, and I would tell my students, you are amazing at making the wrong decision. All you have to do now is switch your decision making and start looking for the good. Start looking for, I said, you know what happens when you steal things. You know what happens when you do drugs. You know what happens when you get somebody pregnant or you have a child because you've lived with that. Now let's look at what can happen when you, keep, when you stay clean and you get a job and you take care and you're responsible for things. And so it, it always comes back to choice. Have you ever figured out what it is that drives a particular um, adolescent to pick on another one? Because, I mean, you have a large group of people. How is it that they end up singling out somebody? So there is, and this is a little bit hard to explain. It's easier to show. But I used to, you know, take my, my kids to the mall, and we would look at people and their body language. Now, many predators, and I'm talking about bullies as predators now, but you can look at it in the animal world as well. Bullies look for weak, weak things, or predators look for somebody weaker than them. And so if I walk around with my shoulders hunched, my head hung low, and closed in on myself, that means that I'm weaker, mentally weaker, maybe not physically weaker, but mentally weaker. But if I stand up and I pull my shoulders back and I keep my eye up, you know, and I look in the eyes of people, that means, hey, I'm here. I see you, I see myself, and I'm strong and I'm independent. And so a lot of times, especially with adolescents, it is a, a um, it's a predator-prey kind of a response, and it's not even conscious. It's a subconscious thing. And so if I'm hurting and somebody else is happy, I don't want them to be happy because I hurt. And so it's sure. a, it's an instinctual thing. And so I used to tell my students, you know, now at my school it wasn't so much the predator-prey as it was gangs. This kid's in a different gang than me, and so I've got to make sure that I'm tough, right? And so being able to break down those barriers and let people see that, hey, people are people. You know, it doesn't matter what gang he's in. He's still a person, and you're in a gang, and you're a person. And when I first started working, I had, you know, I'm like, why gangs? because I didn't understand them until I started researching and asking my students and, and getting into the psyche. It's because gangs provide protection, they provide safety, they provide camaraderie, they provide a family. All of those basic needs that Maslow says we need so desperately, if a uh -huh. child isn't getting that at home, they're going to get it from a gang. Sure. And so if I can provide that in my classroom then hopefully we can meet it there and help instill it at the home, then it can be taken care of or at work. You know, can I provide these needs and make sure these needs are met for my employees? Just by meeting those basic needs, food, water, shelter, companionship, safety, you know, all of that, my employees do better. True. It all makes it all makes perfect sense. 
good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, I imagine the work itself must take months and months. Yeah, it's not a one and done, yeah. Because oh, it's a all. way of changing, yeah. It's a way of changing how you think and how you process. And so if somebody, you know, constantly, go, because human nature is to go to the negative because that helps us survive. Our subconscious pays attention to, oh, my gosh, there's something bad over there. Look out. Oh, my gosh, look out. You know, so it's constantly warning us of bad things that can happen to us. And so it's really good at pointing out the negative, whether that's inside of us or outside of us. And so I liken it to driving. I was a driver's ed teacher for a lot of will, a lot of years. And so I get my hands on the steering wheel of my mind and I train it where I want it to go, just like I do with my car. And so if I all of a sudden I'm aware that I'm thinking negative thoughts or I'm stacking negative consequences on top of myself, you know, that I'm stupid, um, that I'm fat, that I'm ugly, that nobody likes me. You know, as I start stacking all of those things on top of me, I get weighed down, I get depressed, and it's difficult to see the positive. So in any moment, you know, I love what Anne Frank says, you know, see the beauty in the world. And she wrote that when she was in a tiny little room with a tiny little window, you know, and... And so it's that choice of do I see the positive or do I see the negative? And then training your mind every day to list the positives and move forward. And it's, it's particularly important um, now. Yeah. Absolutely. With what's going on in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have to be careful. Yeah. So I went to Einstein's bagels the other day, and and um, I walked up to the counter, and you know I'm I'm ordering my bagel, and I just start getting this feeling of unease and kind of frustration, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And so I immediately started going, started turning inwards. What's going on? And I'm like, I feel rejected. I'm like, why do I feel rejected? And then I noticed that the lady at the counter, as I approached the counter, she had backed all the way up as far as she could. She was clear of back, almost, you know, against the back wall, standing up against the counter. And I'm like, wow, okay. And, you know, and then I'm like, I needed to write something. I don't remember. Oh, I needed to write on the receipt because it was a business receipt. And so I asked her for a pin, and she she was like in that in there, you know. And and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, it's not me. It's the fact that she's afraid of what might happen from interacting with me because of COVID, right? And so oh, I thought, wow, if I'm feeling that way and I'm trained at this and I pay attention to these things, how many others aren't aren't trained? And are having these these reactions of rejection and you know persecution, so to speak, or sure. you know we're herd people, we need people. Then all of a sudden, people are rejecting us and pushing us away and saying, "Stay away from me." And we can't smile at one another, you know, because we can't see each other's face. I thought, wow, wow, we need to educate some people and let them know that hey, it's not you, it's just people's fear around what's happening. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I've had um, encounters where, you know, I've been out at a store or whatever, and we've had to wear a mask. But you can still smile because your eyes will smile. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah, still if say people kind are looking words, at you. Yeah. And you can... And you can still yeah. say kind words to people, and they will respond back because we're all starting to get very starved Right. that kind of interaction. Right. Yes. And so when you're out and about, you know, like you were saying, smile, you know, and, and realize if you start getting frustrated, this goes back to that, you know, realization of what's going on that paying attention to your emotions instead of blocking them. And, oh, wow, I'm getting triggered here. Why am I getting triggered? You know, do some of that internal dialogue. Do some of those write and burns so that you don't explode on people. Because there is a lot of volatility in the world right now. People behaving badly. And it's because Uh they're getting triggered and they're not processing their emotions properly. I know. I've been uh, noticing that a lot of the airlines are having breakout fights. Yeah. In the planes, we've, we've, on, their, on their way yeah. somewhere. Yeah, it's horrid. I, I mean, you can't. I don't. You can get on flights. Used to yeah, do that. People. No. You know, uh-uh. I, don't, I don't. I don't ever remember that happening. I just don't. And now yeah. it seems there, like I read about yeah. it every week. Or daily, you can find you can find stuff daily of people behaving badly, you know, and it's because they are not paying attention to emotions. They're not managing their emotions properly. They're allowing their emotions to run them, and they're not dealing with it properly. And like yeah. I said, hurt people hurt people, and they escalate, and they lash out, and they do inappropriate things. I mean, this one airline's literally had a duct tape this gentleman to his chair. He was so... Wow. <laughs> he was so impossible. To deal with. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. I, I should give, send them my business card and let them hand them out to people. <laughs> <laughs> Say, here, free, free appointment with her. She will help you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what else would you like to uh, address with our audience today? So the, the um, final part of the book and the program is some planned responses, things that I can use when I'm feeling triggered that I don't escalate, but I also don't allow things to get worse. So if I'm in the workplace and somebody says something negative to me, I can say, oh, thank you for sharing. Now, uh-huh. I'm not attacking back. I'm also not necessarily accepting what they're saying. I'm just saying thank you for sharing your opinion with me. That doesn't mean I'm Uh going to change. That doesn't mean I'm going to do anything different. But it allows the situation to diffuse instead of escalate. And so if I have some planned responses, you know, about what can I say or how can I handle that. And the book goes into talking about, talking about how when emotion is high, intelligence is low, and we can't think as clearly. You know, so have you ever had somebody say something to you, and then like two hours later you have the perfect comeback? Sure, <laughs> sure. That's an example uh-huh. of that, right? That emotion uh-huh. can drown our brain, 
And so if I can learn how to drain that emotion off, I can still think and respond appropriately. And so it goes through, the book goes through the steps on how to train myself to still feel the emotion and still be able to think. And planned responses can help you do that and, and you know, help you get better and better at it. So if you're in a school-type setting and somebody comes up and starts bothering you, you can say something like, hey, do you know what's for lunch today? Or you can say, hey, where's room 254? Or, you know, what time did you get here? What's your favorite class? Something like that. Because questions cause us to move into our thinking brain. And when, when somebody is bullying, they're not thinking. They're in their reptilian brain or their brain stem, and they're not processing information properly. They're just lashing out. And so if uh-huh. I can get them to think, it can de-escalate the situation. Now, I can't ask someone, why are you bullying me? Because that feeds <laughs> that, that problem, right? But uh-huh. if I ask them an unrelated, an unrelated question, we're trained to answer questions. And so in our, in our events, I'll have people sit in front of each other and just start asking questions, and the other person cannot answer. And it is hilarious because the person <laughs> listening will cover their mouth. They will turn and not even look at them. They'll do all <laughs> kinds of things to make sure they don't answer those questions because that's how we're trained. We're trained to answer questions. And so it gives them a really good perspective on, yeah, people answer questions because I can't stop myself. And so it lets uh-huh. them know that, hey, it does move that. And then if it's in a in an office setting, you know, you can, you can ask somebody, hey, are you going out for lunch today? Did you bring your lunch in? When are you taking lunch? You know, when are you leaving today? When are you off? You know, any type of, of question like that that gets them it's a pattern interrupt. It's a form of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And uh-huh. so have some of those one-liners or those questions that you can use memorized and, you know, they're ready for you to use at a moment's notice if you need it. Oh. Well, you've just had some great advice today. Why don't you tell our listeners, um, you know, where your books are? Oh, wonderful. Bullyproofingyoubook.com has an entire home study course. You get a physical copy of the book. You get a digital copy of the book. You get videos for each chapter. There are videos there that I've never shared with anyone else. You can immediately start using if your child is being bullied, whether it's a toddler or a teen, or if you're being bullied. So there's tips for parents. And um, that's bullyproofingyoubook.com. And then I will autograph a book and get it in the mail to you wherever you are. And so even internationally, you will have to pay international postage. Um, but here in the States, the postage is included in the purchase of the, of the program. Oh, my gosh. That's so great that you've done that. I want to help. I want to change lives. And yeah. it takes more than just, you know, a, a quick radio interview or something that you've got course, to get yeah, involved. Of course, yeah, it takes a village. So, takes a village. Yeah, it does. So there's a workbook, you know, all kinds of things that get you involved so that you can start to change your life at a, at a deep level. Well, thank you so much, Ginny Cisco Math. You're just, you're such a, a delightful person and so knowledgeable. Oh, thank you. 
And uh, well, thank you. I, I'm really glad that you're you're on this planet helping. Well, thank you. Thank humanity. You so much. We yeah. we need you. <laughs> we definitely need you. <laughs> well, thank you. I will remember that. Let people know. You know, we are available. I love that the world is starting to open up so we can go back in. That's one of the biggest things I miss is the traveling because I used to market to where I wanted to go on vacation. <laughs> uh, and so yeah. I would go work and then I would hang out and goof off for a while. And so we would love to come to your school or your place of business or whatever and and give them some real valuable tips that they can use to change their work environment, their community, and their home. So bullyproofingyoubook.com and you can get in touch with me there and we can we can talk about coming out to your, your place of, of business as well. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wraps up our show for today. Thank you for tuning in. We had some great tips on on bullying, and uh, if you have a child or even as an adult, somebody's bullying you, uh, look up Jeannie Cisco Meth and go to her website. Yeah, it's extremely worthwhile. Until then, please be well. Until next Wednesday, when we talk with you again. Bye bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? <laughs>